This is the final parable before Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. He's been teaching about what his church needs to look like when he leaves. Last week's parable told you that the community that this is must be one where you are constantly forgiving others or there's no place for you. But we've skipped an entire chapter uh, since then. So if you go through it chronologically here, the next is actually a teaching about divorce, where Jesus suggests that separation is not a legal process at all, but a spiritual one. He quotes Genesis and claims courts and hierarchies of man over woman do not matter in this kingdom. Let go of marriage as as a compulsory and contractual matter. The disciples are appalled by this and say, then it's better not to marry. After that, some children come around And the disciples are ready to do the normal thing and quiet them and send them on their way so the adults can get down to more serious matters. But Jesus corrects them again. He puts his hands on them and blesses them. And then finally, a rich young man arrives and asks how to be a part of this kingdom. And Jesus says, really simple, just give everything you own away, which he can't do and goes away sad. The disciples are again understandably shocked and ask if it's true that you must give away everything that you own. And Jesus tells us it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom. The disciples are appalled. And it's Peter who speaks up again. And all the fun that I have at Peter's expense uh, aside, Peter is the one, when you meet him in the Bible, when they bring him into the scene, uh, you're supposed to know that this is like the everyman, the common sense response to what Jesus is saying to folks. And he tells Jesus, look, look at us. We've given up everything. So what will our reward be? Jesus replies that, When all things are being renewed, everyone who gives up something will receive a hundredfold in return. Every bit of security and privilege and wealth and status will be answered in a world where all who are in it have given those things up. The first will be last, and the last will be first. So it's only after all of this about forgiveness marriage, children, wealth, reward, where Jesus tells his final parable before Jerusalem. There's a group of laborers, he says. We call them good people. They get up at their 6 a.m. alarm, they don't hit the snooze, and they go to work like they do every day. They labor away, and then their boss goes out looking for more help. More laborers come in, and as they do, the quality of worker, shall we say, declines from that 6 a.m. standard. I mean, why aren't these other people already at work? Did they sleep past their alarm? The day goes on, and the workers keep flooding in, if you can call them workers even, when they show up at the last call, 5 p.m. The folks who have been there all day 
in the dry times, baking in the summer heat, have been getting nervous at the newcomers. They start huddling tighter as a group and setting themselves apart as the ones who were there first. The landowner calls them all together at 6 p.m., and those workers who came in at the last hour are paid first. The first shift have to watch from the back of the line as everyone is handed a day's wages no matter what time they got there. The dependable laborers' indignation mounts till they reach the front of the line where they straighten their aching backs and put forth their work-worn hands only to receive the exact same payment. They are outraged. I mean, aren't you? I am. It doesn't even have to be about wages, though we can start there with my anger. It is appalling to me that the people who do the least for our world and common life together are usually the ones who make the most money. It is an infuriating injustice that the better you are at exploiting the poor and the environment, the higher your profit margins will be. But it really actually doesn't have to be about wages. Don't you remember being assigned a group project in school and there was always that guy who showed up and did basically an hour's worth of work and then got full credit for the project? Ah, got to me like none other. I mean, actually, let's take the stakes even lower. No money, no grades involved. Let's make it volunteer work. Let's make it a church where the new folks come in who do not know how this place works and are given equal voice and power. I mean, this is basically the summary of every church split that ever was. Of all Jesus' parables, I tell you that I think that this one is the easiest to understand. Preschoolers can grasp how unfair it is. The landowner asks the ones who showed up first, are you envious because I am generous? Yes, exactly, is our answer. We are envious because your generosity to others undermines our own sense of worth that we have worked so hard to prop up. The only way we know to measure our value is through comparison to others, about who has more influence, greater wealth, longer tenure, better values, old time. We have been taught all our lives to measure worth in dollar amounts. Your generosity to all these people we have spent our lives in opposition to, yes, it angers us. We have defined ourselves apart from them, and you doing this flips the entire structure of fairness that we have built on its head. Are you envious because I am generous? Yes, But we are also 
deep down, exhausted by our scorekeeping. And I've heard Jesus tell us that there is another way to live. We've caught glimpses of it here and there in our lives in its disruptive ways. A man selling what he owns so that he can live freely before God. A child who befriends another in some untaught mercy. A relationship that has endured only through a great crucible of forgiveness. We learn it at this table by lifting up our resentful, competitive, separated hearts and offering them to God. We know deep down that our lives are a pure gift. And it's here where we're taught how to give them away.